The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Welcome to the Main Street Vegan Show. I'm Victoria Moran. I am your host, and I'm so happy that you have opted to spend this time with us. Our guest after the first break will be Matt Rice, who is Director of Investigations for Mercy for Animals. Now, we've all seen those undercover videos. We've seen it show up on YouTube and elsewhere online. We've seen it on TV. These people infiltrate and they expose the most egregious cruelties. Have you ever wondered about how that works? How to get the inside scoop on that? Well, Matt Rice is going to be with us today and tell us all about that. And even more importantly, about what this work does to save those creatures who can't save themselves. And if we can help them out, well, heck, why not? That's what I say. And right now, I have another wonderful person to whom to introduce you. This is a friend of mine. His name is Stan Krajewski. He's also a background actor living in Manhattan, working on films and TV, including Cinedoce New York with Philip Seymour Hoffman and Emily Watson. Stan discovered Forks Over Knives after a co-worker suggested that he watch it. He immediately changed his way of eating with transformational results. Welcome, Stan. Hi, Victoria. Thanks so much for having me. Well, it's a pleasure to have you always. I have to tell the listeners that because you are a friend of mine, when I really knew that you were going to be one of my best friends was maybe eight or nine years ago. We were in Midtown somewhere in the Herald Square area, and we were singing as we walked down the street. Now, I know you're an actor and you sing. I don't really sing, but you were nice enough not to tell me to only lip sync. And we literally walked or maybe skipped through the streets of Manhattan singing, you gotta like a guy like this. And (laughs) at that time, you were one of my non-vegetarian friends. And I loved you anyway. 
and I just kind of did what I did, and you did what you did. But you have observed this vegan way of life for a long time. So tell us what happened. I have, and, and, and I just want to backtrack one quick second, and I have to tell you, it was skipping. We did skip. I remember, <laughs> I remember the day. It was wonderful. It really was. But I, but I can tell you that, uh, I, I believe that we're all this, I've been, uh, I've been losing weight. I've been heavy most of my life. I lost weight back and forth. I, back and forth, back and forth. But, uh, I would say about when the love Howard Diet came out. I remember the book. I remember going to your book signing, and I remember you signing it, and I read that book, and something in that book clicked with me, and I, and I know I shared this with you several times, how that, trans, that word transformation, I remember reading that in the book, and something clicked in me. I said, oh, wait a minute. This doesn't, this isn't, oh, this isn't zero to 60. My mindset was always one or the other, and that was the first time reading in a nutritional standpoint about something transitioning, and when I read about uh, chickens and that little piece that I read, and I remember the way I even viewed purchasing chicken at that point changed within me, and I became mindful, I became conscious about what type to buy so on and so forth. And, and I believe that that was the start for me. And that one word, transforming, it doesn't have to be overnight. From that, I believe, because I shared this with you before, that I used to have the, I called it Vegan Fridays, because growing up as a kid, my stepfather was Catholic, so we always had fish on Fridays. We never had meat. So I wanted to instill a spiritual discipline, so I was doing Vegan Fridays, and I was so proud of that. But you want to know something? Something was still off, but I still diligently did that. And it was um, after reading that book, something stayed with me, and that probably opened my mind a little bit to be conscious of a uh, plant-based, whole food, vegan type of uh, nutrition. And I really believe that that was the start of it. Well, bless you. Thank you for saying that. And then we kept talking, and I kept watching you, and your transition was very, very interesting to me because over the past few years, you would call me every now and then, and you'd say, I've, I've switched to this. I think the first thing was, was almond milk. And then you were looking for, I need a substitute for this. I need a substitute for that. And you were doing things very strategically. But what happened when you watch Forks Over Knives? Well, this is, um, well, it was during my Christmas employment. As you know, I'm involved in an epic Christmas production every year, Christmas time. And it was during the course of our working, um, one of my coworkers turned to me, and we always had these, excuse me, uh, conversations uh, backstage, so to speak, and she just said to me, you know, why don't you watch Forks Over Knives? It's on Netflix. Well, I think I, I listened to I have Netflix, and it was like, oh, I don't have to go out or do anything, just turn on my TV. I'll watch this, sure. And I did. And after I watched Forks Over Knives, that couple of things kicked in with me um, with that program. Rip, Rip is awesome. I, I 
I immediately identified with Rip's approach, uh, what he was talking about. And with Rip's, um, in, in, in the movie, it was talking a lot about disease. It was talking a lot about heart disease. And I was really watching this movie, and something in that movie clicked with me in its entirety. And it was about the nutrition and the health and the reversals and all that stuff. I immediately went on to Rip's website, and that's and it, funny how all these things came into play. It was like one cobblestone to another cobblestone to another cobblestone. Rip had a 28-day challenge, uh, the Engine 2 28-day challenge, and it was a whole 28-day list of menus, Mon- breakfast, lunch, dinner, breakfast, lunch, dinner. And you know what? I needed something like that. I needed a structured and a detailed because we as Americans and, and a lot of news with the American diet and all this, what I've learned is, uh, and this is pretty much true for at least myself, but I noticed those around me too, we all eat pretty much the same six to eight things all the time in our daily lives. And I really understood that. And I said, yes, that's me too. And it was getting boring. Um, so I went on this 28-day challenge. There was recipes on, online, on the web, on his website. And all these recipes, I was like, I never ate like this before. It was enjoyable. It was scrumptious. It, it, was, it blew my mind. It really blew my mind. Uh, black beans with brown rice and chopped up fresh vegetables over it. Uh, whoever heard of such a thing for dinner, you know? It was always <laughs> growing up. It was, you know, really, I mean, growing up, what's for dinner? We're having meatloaf. And I believe I heard that in the Love Power Diet book, too, if I'm not mistaken, but it's so true. But now, I mean, what's for dinner? Well, what's for dinner is uh, uh, brown rice with with uh, black beans, uh, chopped peppers, onions, blah, 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 all through that. Last night I had Hawaiian barbecue tacos, you know, that I prepared fresh. And it, it brought me a new uh, sense of living and eating in a different way. And because of all the films that I've watched, uh, Food, Inc., uh, the, uh, read The Love Power Diet, um, Main Street Vegan, um, all these, uh, I believe, has been a informational path for me to go on because there was a there was some little link missing in my life and nutrition was a struggle f- with me for a while because I was eating and I just kept going back to uh, craving certain things with sugar and all this stuff but I can tell you that I I pretty much have been on this uh, whole food plant based for, and what works for me and I tried this and it, it, uh, Rip talks about a lot, too. That's why I identified with it so much. Uh, low fat, no sugar, and low salt. And, and I really, I, and focus and determination. That was key for me, too, because I knew that if I was going to do this, I had to be focused. And because I was focused and determined, uh, January 12th, pretty much I started. From January 12th to March 30th, I'd lost 17 pounds. My blood work has been through the roof. Um, I just want to share one or two, if I may. My cholesterol, uh, the last reading was 244. 
My uh, current reading as of March 2nd was 189. I never had a cholesterol in my life since I have getting it checked below 200. And this is the first time for that. The uh, bad cholesterol went from 160 to 111. I've had uh, my glucose because diabetes does run in my family. Uh, my glucose, uh, the, uh, the one before this current one was 113. My latest reading was 98, and glucose average uh, should be between 74 and 106, and 113 was danger zone. So all these, and there was one other thing which I looked up on the website. There was a something about the uh, kidney, um, and I remember the the uh, kidney, whatever it is, they have funny letters to it, but. If it's under 60, is it's kind of dangerous, and mine was under 59. And the latest reading for me on the blood panel was 106, and wow. that was a huge jump. When my doctor called me, he said, Stan, I'm 60 years old. People, I don't tell people my age because they can't believe how good I look. I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm proud to say I'm 60 years old. And for the doctor to call me and tell me that my blood work is excellent, it it was like perfect blood work. My blood pressure, when I went to see him because I changed doctors this year, my blood pressure was 160 over 90 when I had my first visit with him. Two weeks later when I went back, it was 138 over 90. And then my latest visit uh, with my blood pressure was about a week and a half, two weeks ago, was 128 over 79. Um, wow. Well, I, there's... Yeah. This is so exciting, and and I think some of the really exciting parts, number one, is that it was such a short amount of time. I mean, we're talking yes. January 12th to March 2nd. I mean, that's six weeks. That That's yep. unbelievable. And also... Well, I, 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 wanna, I had a determination, yes. I want to emphasize uh-huh. to everybody, because I have known you for a long time, you were not a junk food junkie before this. You were doing a really good job at eating what the establishment, if you want to call it that, would say was a good diet with the lean meats and the fish and the chicken with the skin off and the low-fat dairy and all that kind of thing. So you were not out there doing super baconator double cheeseburgers with chocolate fudge sauce. You know, you were eating what is considered to be the healthiest diet that most standard people are recommending out there in the world. And then when you switch to the Whole Foods plant-based regimen, you got these incredible results in a very short amount of time. Stan, I always knew I loved you because of the skipping and the singing, but you are now just such a role model and I admire you so much and thanks a million for spending some time with us today on the Main Street Vegan Show. You're very welcome. I love you dearly and it's an honor to be here with you today. Thank you. Ah, thanks so much. And everybody else, stay with us. We'll be back with Matt Rice from Mercy for Animals right after this.
If Unity Online Radio has helped you grow spiritually through programs like this one, please consider supporting this online radio programming. Visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you for helping us continue to serve as the voice of an awakening world. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. Culture is defined by the Oxford Dictionary as modern popular culture transmitted via mass media and aimed particularly at younger people. But can it be meaningful, spiritual even? The hosts of Pop Conscious think it can be and that it can be fun to explore too. Malena Don and Stacy Macris Ross will be your amateur cultural anthropologists examining pop culture and spirituality every Monday at 2 p.m. Central on Pop Conscious on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Welcome back, everybody. I am just still flying high over Stan and his blood work. So with great enthusiasm about the health benefits of a healthy vegan diet and now moving on to the wonderful, wonderful benefits for our animal friends of looking at their lives, seeing them as individuals and changing the way we live to to be of of help and service and, and show respect to the creatures with whom we share this planet. I am inviting on right now someone that I've known for a while and admire a lot, and he is Matt Rice, Director of Investigations for Mercy for Animals. Now, I'm sure you know MFA, but for anybody who is new to all this, Mercy for Animals is dedicated to preventing cruelty to farmed animals and promoting compassionate food choices and policies through undercover investigations, legal advocacy, corporate outreach, and education campaigns. Now, Matt actually works closely with undercover investigators 
to document and expose cruelty to animals on factory farms and in slaughterhouses. His work has led to landmark animal cruelty convictions, corporate animal welfare policy changes, and heightened consumer awareness about the plights of animals raised and killed for food. Welcome, Matt. Thanks for having me on. I'm happy to be here, Victoria. Well, I'm happy to be talking with you. And, you know, I have a book coming out called The Good Karma Diet, and I think you have way good karma because I know you when you lived in New York City, then you moved to L.A., and then the weather in New York City got really bad, and we've had two hideous winters. So maybe I'll call you Good Karma Matt. Yeah, I missed out on all of that, didn't I? <laughs> you we did have a indeed. Pretty bad drought here in California, though, of course. Well, I do know that, and um, there are some things we could be doing about that, aren't there? There are, you know, and one of the the leading causes of this drought is animal agriculture. A lot of this water is going to raise the crops needed to feed and fatten farmed animals for human consumption. And we could do a lot to save water by simply eating more of the plants directly rather than filtering them through the guts of animals and then eating the animal. It's so interesting to me how going vegan or going nearly vegan or whatever somebody is able to do, it just helps so many beings and so many parts of life. There's just nothing that, that it doesn't help. So tell us a little bit, Matt, about undercover work. I think people look at it as maybe something they'd see in a movie. You know, the idea of of actually being undercover just, just seems on the one hand so romantic and exciting and on the other hand so absolutely terrifying. Tell us about it. Yeah, well, it's not as glamorous as it might seem, um, but it is extremely important work. Our investigators uh, get jobs at factory farms and slaughterhouses, and then they simply go to work every day wired with hidden cameras and document the conditions that they see. And unfortunately, what we see time and time again is horrific animal abuse. We see malicious abuse where workers who have become desensitized to violence are lashing out and taking out their aggressions on these animals. But we also see institutionalized forms of animal abuse where the factory farming industry is trying to cut corners and minimize costs, maximize profits, almost always at the expense of animal welfare. So we have animals crammed in cages so small that they can't even turn around or lie down comfortably for nearly their entire lives. Animals being mutilated without painkillers and horrifically abused in other ways. So our investigators get video footage of this, photographs, and and evidence that we use to bring criminal prosecution against those who are criminally abusing animals. Uh, But unfortunately, there aren't very many laws that protect farmed animals. So mostly what we're doing is pushing for uh, animal welfare reforms in the industry and also consumer awareness. We feel that most people have a right to know where their food comes from and how animals on factory farms are treated so that they can make informed choices. And, of course, one of the best things that people can do to help animals is to simply stop eating them. 
Yeah, absolutely. We were talking during the break that Jean Bauer from Farm Sanctuary was on uh, The Daily Show this week, which I think was a great coup for all of us in the animal protection world. And, you know, it, it was very clear as he talked about um, what he does and, and his new book, Living the Farm Sanctuary Life, it was really about making a change in what we buy because we can do so much with just just changing where we put our money. That's absolutely right. And Farm Sanctuary is a great organization. I worked there myself for a number of years and really got to know the animals that they rescue on a personal level. And seeing that cows and pigs and chickens are really no different than the dogs and cats that many of us know and love at home. They have their own personalities, their feelings. They, they make friends. They, they have others that they don't get along with. You know, they have their own lives and they want to continue living and I think once you get to know farmed animals, it becomes much more difficult to uh, justify uh, have paying somebody to kill them just so that you can have a, you know, a hamburger when there are so many other options available to us today. Oh, th- yeah, that is so true. I think if there is a farm animal sanctuary <clears throat> near someone or near where you're going to be on vacation, do make a point of going there and bring people with you who aren't into this. Because to them, it'll be the same sort of experience that people get from going to a zoo or a petting zoo, but they'll also get the background of who these animals are. You know, I was at Farm Sanctuary a couple of years ago for their celebration for the turkeys, and a man had been brought by his girlfriend. He was not vegetarian, that he was just humoring her. But one of the turkeys took a shine to him. And of all the people there, all these devoted vegans <laughs> who love turkeys, this turkey liked that guy and literally befriended him. So the guy sat down and the turkey climbed in his lap. And, and this man just looked up at everybody and said, what, what can I do? I didn't come here to change my diet or change my life, but this turkey has convinced me that he and I have bonded, and I can never eat another animal. So amazing things happen when we really, really get close to the critters. It's true. It's true. And, and that's really what was part of my transformation uh, over a decade ago with my, my dog. You know, I, I realized that I would do anything in the world to protect my dog and make sure nobody was hurting her. And yet here I was three times a day paying other people to hurt other animals just so that I could eat them. And that once that you know clicked in my mind, I realized that I had to make a change in my own lifestyle. And then once I saw undercover footage of factory farms and slaughterhouses, that's when I realized I needed to do more. I needed to help get this information out to, to other people as well. Now, you talked about how the undercover footage changed you um, and encouraged you to, to be vegan. And I know that happens for a lot of people. So what does it do? For, for the animals, I think it does quite a bit, but you've got the real, um, the real knowledge and, and, and the real numbers. How powerful is this work? Well, I think, you know, even the factory farming industry itself is seeing the power that undercover investigations have, which is why they're doing everything they can to stop these investigations, even through trying to introduce what are known as ag-gag laws that actually prohibit taking pictures or videos on factory farms. 
they don't want these images to get out there to the public because they know when people see with their own eyes how these animals are being tortured, they wouldn't want to support that. And a lot of people are making these personal transitions towards vegetarianism, veganism, leaving animals off their plate. But we're also seeing other changes. We're seeing major food providers uh, throughout the world making animal welfare policy changes that are going to have a huge impact for millions, even billions of animals. Nestle Foods, for example, which is the largest food provider in the entire world, uh, after one of our undercover investigations exposed people maliciously using animals at one of their dairy suppliers, they agreed, after talks with us, to implement policies to prohibit some of the worst forms of institutionalized animal abuse in the industry. So they're getting away, doing away with battery cages for egg-laying hens, meal crates for calves, gestation crates for pigs, They're requiring their suppliers to stop mutilating animals without painkillers. And a number of other important improvements that are going to apply to over 100,000 farms in 90 countries around the world. And that was all because of an undercover investigation. Our investigations have also led to landmark criminal cruelty prosecutions against uh, factory farmers and owners of these facilities, including the first ever felony cruelty conviction related to factory-farmed poultry in United States history. And that was related to an investigation we did at a butterball turkey factory farm in North Carolina. So we're seeing a lot of changes. We're also seeing, uh, with this awareness, we're seeing people uh, pushing for ballot initiatives and asking their representatives in the government to pass more and stronger laws to protect these animals as well, including in California, A few years ago, uh, the most popular ballot initiative in California history at the time passed to effectively ban battery cages, gestation crates, and veal crates uh, for farmed animals in this state. And is that going to happen, or or was that one of the ones that there was backlash? There was backlash, certainly. The industry has tried uh, time and again to um, get that law overturned, but it did go into effect on January 1st this year and so right now we're in the process of making sure that these facilities are complying with this this is right minimal standards what it does is basically makes sure that animals have enough room to stand up to lie down comfortably to stretch their limbs uh very minimal standards and yet the factory farming industry has been fighting tooth and nail spending millions of dollars to ensure they don't even have to provide even this basic level of animal welfare uh, so it's an uphill battle for sure, and there's still a lot more to be done. But that law did go into effect this year. Well, that's great. And, of course, our big battle is is uh, against these, these horrible interests uh, that do these terrible things to animals. And yet I know that within our own movement, there's disagreement about how to proceed on things. And I know that there are some people who would say that the welfare initiatives – are, are valueless because even though they might make life easier for some animals now, they keep people from wanting to go vegan. They, they pacify people that everything is okay. How do you answer that argument? Well, I think that if you really examine that argument, what people are saying is that even though we have the power to reduce the suffering of these animals, we shouldn't because then it makes it harder to guilt people into going vegan. So we're sacrificing 
the welfare of these animals in order to make our vegan message stronger. I believe that the moral argument for veganism is strong enough to withstand improvements to animal welfare. I think that we can both improve the way that animals are, who are on factory farms today are treated so that they're not suffering so horribly. And at the same time, we still have a very strong case to, that people shouldn't be eating animals at all when there are so many delicious and healthy vegetarian alternatives available to us. Well, I, I certainly agree with you. And everybody that I know who is pushing hard and really devoting their lives to get some of these welfare initiatives passed is also a vegan. I mean, I, there may be people working for welfare initiatives who work all day for that and then go have chicken parmesan. I just don't know anybody like that. Well, and certainly I know a lot of people who've been working on these welfare initiatives who that's what got them involved in the movement and opened their eyes to uh, the prospect of becoming vegan, whereas otherwise they might not have. There's also other issues such as working on um, circuses and fur campaigns that uh, people who thought, I could never go vegan, I, I just can't give up hamburgers, but I don't like the way that elephants in the circus are being treated. So they got involved in that. They opened their eyes, they started getting more involved with the animal rights movement, and then gradually went vegan themselves. So I think anything that kind of opens the door for people to start becoming involved, becoming more aware of the plights of these animals, is a positive thing. Mm. You know, one of the most powerful sentences ever spoken to me in my life was when this wise woman said to me when I was maybe 20, if this thing touches you anywhere, it will touch you everywhere. Telling me basically you just take one step into living a more conscious life and then it's going to open up in all the places where it needs to open up for you. And I have certainly found that to be true and, and see that um, to be true. So when we come back after the break, I'm really interested in some of the investigations that have been going on recently with you guys. Also, your expansion into other parts of the world. And a little bit more on these ag-gag bills, because I think some people are just afraid if they're out in the country and they happen to see a cow, maybe they shouldn't stop and take a picture. So we're going to get all the scuttlebutt on that from you. Right after this, we'll be back with more Main Street Vegan on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. In a state of change, a period of transition, perhaps you simply don't know which way to turn, or you want guidance on taking that next step in your personal or professional life, you can activate the power of yes with Reverend Beverly Melander. As a new thought minister and next step counselor, she knows how to listen to where you are and help you get to where you want to be. With 20 plus years of experience, she offers spiritual counseling and affirmative prayer next step counseling for your personal or professional life, as well as resume writing and editing. To learn more about Beverly's counseling services, visit beverlymolander.net. That's Beverly, M-O-L-A-N-D-E-R.net. Just like life. 
Grief is a journey, not a destination. Whether it is loss of life, relationship, security, or simply the process of change, have you given yourself permission to begin your journey of grief? Have you yielded to the gift of grace? Join Reverend Chaz Wesley every Thursday at 5 p.m. Central on a virtual navigation from grief to grace and explore new horizons of empowerment, significance, and support only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Welcome back, everybody. I just love doing the Main Street Vegan show and getting all this wonderful information out to some of the best people on this planet. There are a few things going on right around here in Main Street Vegan land that I just want to remind you about. Uh, You may know that my daughter, Adair Moran, is co-founder of a brand new, well, year-old, nonprofit here in New York City called Urban Utopia Wildlife, and they are poised to be the very first ever in history Rehabilitation Center for Wild Mammals in New York City. Just yesterday, their first orphaned baby squirrel of the season came in, and the there are going to be a lot more. And then the possums and the bunnies will happen. UUWR is at this point three young women with animals, and they are doing all they can. They're kind of a fledgling organization, helping out fledgling animals. And they're going to have the most fun fundraiser on April 17th. So please go to urbanutopiawildlife.org and check out Bunnies for Bunnies. If you're anywhere in the New York area, Bunnies for Bunnies is kind of a, a play on the old Playboy Club theme. Uh, tickets are very reasonably priced, just $30, and that includes a drink and a raffle ticket. Great entertainment. Honey LeBronx, the vegan drag queen who's been a guest on this show. They're going to have a burlesque performer, a great comedian, great DJ. It is going to be a fun, fun evening to support the bunnies and the squirrels and the possums so do uh, check out urban utopia and also a reminder that we do have the good karma contest underway and what that means is if you pre-order the good karma diet you will get to attend a private exclusive and for nobody else teleseminar with me that is just for people who have pre-ordered the book and you'll also be able to enter your favorite nonprofit, maybe it will be Mercy for Animals, into a contest for one of three $100 um, gifts uh, to get the good karma going. So just go to MainStreetVegan.net, click on books, and you can read all about the good karma contest. It tells you where to send your receipt and the name of your favorite charity, and you can be a part of that. Thank you so very much. So, Matt Rice from Mercy for Animals is our guest today. 
the website mercyforanimals.org. So go there and read all the great stuff that MFA is doing, but also you can get involved there on the Mercy for Animals site. They have petitions that you can sign to actually put some pressure on companies to make the changes that we've been talking about. So it's a very active and and terrific site to go to. So please... um, Move over there when you get a chance. We'd love to know that you had been uh, checking out the good work of Mercy for Animals. Now, Matt, in the last segment, you mentioned the ag-gag bills. I want to know in what state would I be subject to arrest for taking a picture of a farmed animal? Well, there have been dozens of states where legislators have introduced these bills. And the the good news is that that the vast majority of them have been uh, struck down once people found out about them and contacted their legislators and said, we don't want these bills. Uh, But states like Iowa, Idaho, Missouri, and Utah have passed ag-ag bills with the clear intent of sweeping evidence of animal abuse under the rug prohibiting pictures or videos uh, taken on factory farms and slaughterhouses because these industries know that their cruel practices can't stand the light of day. They want to put a stop to these undercover investigations that time and time again have been leading to uh, criminal prosecutions, corporate animal welfare policy reforms, and more and more people deciding that they want to try vegetarian alternatives to meat, dairy, and egg. So this is the industry's biggest threat, and they're pouring all of their resources into fighting undercover investigation. So if someone is prosecuted uh, under one of these laws, is that considered a misdemeanor or a felony? In these states, they're misdemeanors, um, but every state has introduced kind of different versions of these laws that say slightly different things because as the industry sees that they're running up against a lot of opposition, they've started to get sneakier on how they're wording these laws. And how they're trying to get them passed, they're trying to sneak them in under other bills and hoping that they don't get noticed. They're trying to use sneakier wording. So, for example, in North Carolina right now, the Senator Jackson, who introduced ag-gag bills um, last year and the year before that, and both of them were defeated. This year, he's changed it so it doesn't just focus on people taking pictures at factory farms or slaughterhouses, but any employee who takes a picture at work could therefore could be prosecuted under this law and fined five thousand uh, dollars if it were to pass. So they're getting sneakier and sneakier and trying to figure out ways that they can snip these by the the noses of people who uh, want to make sure that they that animals are looked after on these factory farms and and want these undercover investigations happening. So, are, is it harder to be an animal investigator now than it was say ten years ago? Absolutely. It's getting harder, not just the laws that are being passed, and of course we follow all all laws, um, but also the industry is getting uh, smarter and sneakier on figuring out ways to keep investigators out, to keep cameras out of their facilities. But of course we we can continue to develop ways to get around those measures. And in the states where ag-gag laws have been passed, there are efforts to overturn those laws because they are clearly unconstitutional. They violate freedom of speech, freedom of the press, and they put people at risk uh, because it, it opens up the, you know, the, the entire nation, our food supply, to not just animal abuse, but food safety hazards, environmental hazards, 
and other things that would go undetected uh, in states where these bills have passed. Now, if there is some very dedicated young person listening to this show who's thinking, whoa, maybe this is in my future. What do you look for in someone that you bring on as an undercover investigator? Well, a lot of it requires heart. You know, these we have our investigators have to get jobs at these facilities. They have to work physically demanding manual labor jobs, sometimes 10, 12 hours a day, and then at the, and, and witness unimaginable horrors while they're there. But they have to be able to keep their composure and their cover while they're documenting the conditions so that we can use that evidence to push for change. And then at the end of that physically demanding and grueling day, they go back to their, their hotel room, their apartment, wherever they're staying, and spend the next few hours writing their notes, logging their video footage, and then maybe get five, six hours of sleep before they have to go back to work the next day and do it all over again. So these are very physically demanding jobs, so it takes a lot of grit and determination uh, to be able to work in these facilities. And our investigators go through a pretty grueling boot camp uh, in order to get them prepared for the, this type of work. So it's certainly not for everyone, but um, but those who are able to do it are certainly uh, the heroes in our, in our movement. Oh, they are absolutely. And, and, and there's such... They're such a special breed because they care as much or more than any of us, and yet they can see and hear and smell things that most of us don't even want to watch on a video that doesn't even have the smell part. I know I I spent one day in a slaughterhouse, and... It was my day in hell. I, I will remember it until I, I leave this earth. And the most surprising thing for me that day was how much compassion I felt for the workers because they seemed to be entrapped in this awful system, too. I wanted to free them along with the animals. And when I think about an undercover investigator, he goes in there to help these animals, but he can't help them directly. He's got to just let it go on and document it. That takes an extraordinary human being. It does. And, of course, we do report abuses to, to management and owners at these facilities. And more often than not, they not only know about the abuses but are participating in, in them themselves. Um, but we also report it to law enforcement so we can, whenever illegal activity has happened, um, but, uh, again, because there are so few laws protecting animals, even some of the worst forms of animal abuse that we document are considered perfectly legal standard practices within the industry. But you mentioned the workers, and you're right. There are some, of course, workers who are attracted to these industries because they, they might be sadistic and they want to. They actually enjoy hurting animals. But more often than not, these are workers who simply are, you know, they can't find jobs anywhere else. They're uh, lower-class workers, people with felony convictions that are out of prison, undocumented workers um, that can't find jobs anywhere else. Nobody really wants to work at a factory farm or slaughterhouse. So these these industries kind of prey on the vulnerable and then put them in positions where they, they have to kill animals for a living. And you talk to these workers and they say at first they were, you know, very heartbroken to see how the animals were treated, but then they become desensitized. And over time, some of them even say that they had to learn to hate 
the animals in order to simply go to work every day and do their job. Wow. You know, it's just so fascinating. We talked about how when you go vegan, it helps the animals, it helps the planet, it helps your body. And when you get into the animal food industry completely unwittingly, I mean, all these great, wonderful people that we all know and love who who support this industry just don't yet understand that they're supporting animal abuse and human abuse and it's so interesting how everything is connected. Now, I know, Matt, that MFA is working on um, a couple of investigations right now or recently completed, I guess. So tell me about those. One was uh, Wayne Farms in North Carolina. That's right. Uh, our investigations most recently were focusing on the poultry industry. And arguably, chickens are the most abused animals in the world. In the United States, Almost 9 billion chickens are raised and killed for food every single year. And they are also don't have any legal protection on the farm. And then also at the slaughterhouse, they're excluded from the Humane Methods of Slaughter Act, which means they're killed in ways that would be illegal if cows or pigs were the victims instead. So our investigation at Wayne Farms, which is a major supplier to Gordon Food Service, which is one of the major food service providers to hospitals and restaurants and grocery stores across the country, exposed horrific animal abuse, unfortunately all considered standard practice in the poultry industry, including birds being violently slammed upside down into metal shackles, uh, dragged through electrified bats of water that painfully shocks their bodies but doesn't necessarily render them unconscious, having their throats cut open while they're still able to feel pain, and many birds still alive going into the scalding hot feather removal tanks and being scalded alive. This is something that the United States Department of Agriculture estimates happens to as many as one million birds every single year in this country. And unfortunately, because these animals are not protected by the Humane Methods of Slaughter Act, uh, these, these practices will continue until we make changes. And I know you have an undercover video about this investigation narrated by Pamela Anderson. Is that on the MFA site? Yeah, you can find that. It's one of the main features at mercyforanimals.org. It's also, we have a standalone website called goryfoodservice.com where you can go and, and see the video narrated by Pamela Anderson and then also sign our petition calling on Gordon Food Service to implement meaningful animal welfare policies to prevent these types of abuses throughout their entire supply chain. Okay, and then you did an investigation also about poultry in Canada. That's right. Our investigation at Maple Lodge Farms, which is the largest poultry producer in the entire country of Canada, documented almost identical abuses to the ones that we saw here in the United States. But additionally, birds, thousands of them, were arriving to the slaughterhouse frozen solid after they were being trucked through sub-freezing temperatures. This is something that Maple Lodge Farms had already been uh, gotten trouble for legally and was convicted on multiple counts of animal abuse uh, for allowing birds to freeze to death on their way to slaughter. And yet, over a year later, we were documenting that the same things were continuing to happen at this company. So we're calling on criminal prosecution against Maple Lodge Farms and also calling on the company 
to implement policies to prevent this type of abuse at, at its uh, entire supply chain as well. And that video is also on the site? It is. In, you can find that at mercyforanimals.org. Okay, that's great. This is so interesting that we're talking about poultry and also that in Stan's story, he's had all these great health results. His cholesterol went from 244 to 189. The lowest it's ever been is in his adult life. And here was somebody who was not eating beef and pork and cheese and all the things that people think are going to raise the cholesterol. He was having the low-fat dairy and the chicken and the turkey burgers. And so for animal rights, animal welfare reasons, and for health, we've got to get the chickens and the eggs out of our diet. So please do your research, go into your conscience and See what you can do for these beautiful birds who can recognize flock mates and recognize humans. They have great memories. There's really something going on with these beings, and they're valuable, and they're individuals, even though it's so hard to think of 9 billion individuals. So, Matt, we're down to our last couple of minutes. What's your final word? Well, I always encourage people to sign up at mercyforanimals.org to not only get updates about the work that we're doing and how you can help us help animals, but get involved. You know, we need more and more people out there uh, sharing these videos, signing these petitions, uh, leafleting, giving talks on their college campuses. There's any number of ways that people can get involved to help animals in their own local communities and in their own lives. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned the college campuses because I know all all of the animal rights organizations have such a wonderful role to play in, in this kind of rainbow of how we're all working together to make things better for the animals. I think of MFA as being such a breath of life and youth. And maybe that's because your founder, Nathan Runkle, was 15 when he founded the organization. <laughs> That's Which right. Is- yeah, Nathan Runkle, he was a 15-year-old high school student. And uh, it, it came about because there was a, a, a teacher there who brought uh, pigs to be dissected in his class. And he thought the pigs were already killed. Uh, but one of them happened to be alive and was killed in front of the classroom by uh, somebody picking that piglet up by her hind legs and slamming her head against the concrete floor. Uh, and this is considered standard practice in the pork industry. Um, but unfortunately, uh, is, is considered perfectly legal. Even if you were to do that to a dog or a cat, you would go to jail. But this is done to millions of pigs every year in this country. So that realization is what kind of spurred the formation of Mercy for Animals, is this understanding that we all agree that cruelty to animals is wrong, and yet there are these billions of farmed animals out there that are being treated in, in horrific ways, that have almost no legal protection, uh, very little, few advocates out there speaking up on, on their behalf. And so Mercy for Animals was founded specifically to speak out and be a voice for farmed animals. Well, I am so happy that you're in the world and doing all the great things that you're doing. Give our best to, uh, to Nathan and everybody at MFA. We are totally on your side And uh, really, really appreciate your great work. Thanks so much for spending this time with us, Matt. No problem. Thank you so much for having me on.
Oh, thank you. And thanks to everybody for listening. Oh, my gosh. You are just my favorite folks. So for today, which happens to be some kind of special day in the world, is this Eat Your Veggies Day? I'm not sure. Well, it's Eat Your Veggies Day to us. So God bless you and eat your veggies. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. Culture is defined by the Oxford Dictionary as modern popular culture transmitted via mass media and aimed particularly at younger people. But can it be meaningful, spiritual even? The hosts of Pop Conscious think it can be and that it can be fun to explore too. Malena Don and Stacy Macris Ross will be your amateur cultural anthropologists examining pop culture and spirituality every Monday at 2 p.m. Central on Pop Conscious on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. In quiet moments of prayer, let go of any concern. Anchor your trust deep in the realization that with God all things are possible. Never doubt it for a single moment. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Are you ready to live in joy? Is there an area of your life where you could use a miracle? Have you been praying for help and guidance? Come join Lisa and Bill and their guests for an hour filled with practical tips on experiencing miracles, greater abundance, focused, deliberate living, and the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Experience more joy in life. Listen to Living in Joy, Reflections on A Course in Miracles, with Lisa Natoli and Bill Free, every Friday at 2 p.m. Central, here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. The base of all life is the infinite wellspring of Source, and each of us has a unique way of expressing that Source as an individualized soul. Do you enjoy the company of inspiring people who are living on purpose? Do you want to live joyfully attuned to your own unique soul expression? Host Rev. Kristen Powell welcomes you to join the gathering of souls who live this way. You'll meet artists, naturalists, and other soulful expressions that will inspire you to call forth the most alive, passionate version of yourself. 
Get into the natural stream of your own soul by tuning into Soul Stream live every Wednesday at noon Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. <laughs> 